Hi everyone, it's Kerry and welcome back to Surrey Voices. Now, regular listeners will remember our episode all about wheelchairs, where our host Dexter met Matthew. So how how long have you been a, a wheelchair user? Can you tell me a bit about yourself? I suffer with uh, cerebral palsy and um, I didn't start using a wheelchair till about 2017. I'm, I use, I'm, I've got cerebral palsy as well. And I use an electric wheelchair, but I've, I was I was I was born with cerebral palsy, so I've known no, no, nothing different my whole life. Yeah, so I'm, I'm the same. And when Dan heard this, he got in touch. Hi, Dan. Hey, guys. Uh, I have cerebral palsy, and I think it's an underrated disability that isn't shown enough in the film and television industry. I don't think enough people know about cerebral palsy and they only know one part of cerebral palsy as there's many different versions of cerebral palsy. So we invited Dan onto the show to host his own episode. Hey, hey everyone, I'm Dan Trump and I'm your host for this month's Surrey Voices, the podcast from Surrey Choices. You might know me from Choices Waves Friday Weekly Show Best Roundup. Hey, hey everyone, it's Dan with Choices Waves. Britney's back and she's come out with a song with Elton John. See the podcast show notes for the link to that show. You can also find a link to the Surrey Choices website where you can discover more about what they do for people with disabilities, sensory needs, etc. So please check that out. This month we're talking about cerebral palsy. I have cerebral palsy and October 6th was World Cerebral Palsy Day. I wanted to do a show about the topic because having cerebral palsy is hard at sometimes but the tasks that can come with cerebral palsy are challenging but can be accomplished. In this episode we're covering everything about cerebral palsy that I can think of. We have the conversation with Richard Luke, Specialist Information Officer and Cerebral Palsy Programme Lead from the Charity Scope so we can get the facts about cerebral palsy. I will also be chatting with three people from the Surrey Choices community about their life with cerebral palsy. For regular listeners of the podcast, these will be familiar voices. It's our colleague Dexter James who hosted the episode about wheelchairs last month. It's Matthew who joined Dexter on that episode and Martin Bell who works on the Choices Waves radio station and occasionally hosts the podcast. I really hope you enjoy this episode and come away with a better understanding of what cerebral palsy is and what it's like to live with it. Stick around later because Sinead tells us who goes above and beyond for her and we ask another important question in Joyce's Voices. Before we begin, a quick warning. Some of this discussion is about the terms that have been used to describe disabilities or people with disabilities, and some of them are offensive. We think it's important to talk about how the language has changed, and so we have kept some of these terms in the show. First, let's talk about the facts with Richard Luke. He works at the charity scope and it was a real treat to have him on the show. Hi Richard, thank you for coming on Surrey Voices. Could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Scope and how long you've been there? Yeah, uh, thanks for inviting me on to the podcast. My name is Richard Luke and I'm the Cerebral Palsy Programme Lead for Scope. And I work with the cerebral palsy community. I have cerebral palsy myself. So I work with members of our community. I work with families and loved ones of people with cerebral palsy. I also work with academics and organisations and professionals that are interested in cerebral palsy in our community. 
and I've been in scope for almost five years now. Wow. How common is cerebral palsy? Cerebral palsy is the most common physical disability in the Western world. And the rates of cerebral palsy have stayed roughly the same since after the uh, Second World War. But globally, there are around 17 million people with cerebral palsy. And in the UK, there are 100, between 130 and 135,000 adults with cerebral palsy. Wow. I have quadriplegia, but it's worse on one side than the other. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the different types? Yeah, of course. So quadriplegia basically describes how many limbs are affected by the cerebral palsy. So there are three main types. There are ataxic, spastic and arthritoid. And, and spastic cerebral palsy can be either hemiplegic, which means one side of the body affected, diplegic, which means the lower limbs, the legs are affected, triplegic, which means three limbs are affected, or quadriplegic, which means all four limbs are affected. And that is my diagnosis. I have spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy. As I understand it, cerebral palsy is an incurable disability, so there is no medicine. So what are the ways that people who have CP manage it or make their lives easier? Yeah, you're very right. There is no known cure for cerebral palsy because it is a neurological condition and is usually it occurs before or just after birth. Neurological damage sustained to the brain, but there are things that we can do um, to make our mobility last longer, and that is to exercise and uh, stay as active as possible and watch our diet like everyone else should. Um, But if there are aches and pains that are not our normal, it's always important that we seek the help of a medical professional. So if there's something going on that isn't our normal, because as we know, people with cerebral palsy uh, have regular aches and pains because of the way our body moves, but it's important that we don't put every ache and pain down to our cerebral palsy. So if it's something that's not our normal, we must always contact a medical professional. Okay, interesting. I find the mental health issue is a big part of having cerebral palsy. Is that something you often find is true with people who have cerebral palsy? Uh, yes, Um it's, there has been some research done a while ago that uh, seems to indicate that people living with cerebral palsy are 14% more likely to experience anxiety or depression. Uh, there is no answer as to whether that is to do with the uh, injury sustained to the brain or it's just a byproduct of us having to live in a society and a world that is not really designed for us. And we have extra challenges being disabled people. But I do see a lot of younger people um, contacting me or their families contacting me because of poor mental health or mental health concerns. But obviously that could be attributed to social media, peer group pressure. There's a lot more pressure on younger people now than there was when I was, say, in my late teens, early 20s. So it could be a mix of factors. But it has been recognised that depression and anxiety is fairly common in males with cerebral palsy particularly. Are there any medical breakthroughs that people can expect in the future? (laughs) That is a very, very good question. What you find with cerebral palsy is because it's a neurological condition and affects the brain, um, the brain is very complex. And unfortunately, we don't know enough about the brain to make the necessary uh, surgical interventions to repair what might have been damaged during, during or after birth. 
what we what we tend to see is cerebral palsy is managed by a multidisciplinary team of medical professionals. So you will have people like orthopedic surgeons, uh, you'll have orthotists, neurologists, and it's managed by a team. But there is really no current breakthrough in the truest sense of the term that I have come across yet. But as soon as I find one, I will let you know. Okay. Has the charity changed much since the 90s when I was supposed to go? My late dad did a small bit on the leaflet saying, oh, when Daniel's ready, he'll have help with stuff, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the charity has changed a lot um, since the 90s. As you know, it, it rebranded in 1994. Um, and it was recognised that um, from a pan-disability point of view, we have a stronger voice because I use a wheelchair and I have the, the same barriers as somebody with spina bifida that uses a wheelchair or muscular dystrophy that uses a wheelchair. So scope became pan-disability. Um, five years ago, it was decided that scope needed to do more and get back to its roots of cerebral palsy. And that's why I was given the role at Scope, and Scope is very, very aligned and a big supporter of the cerebral palsy community. Um, and everybody that's involved in that community, and we have done recent huge projects, um, like the All-Party Parliamentary Group for Adults with Cerebral Palsy, which sounds very grand, but what it is, it's a list of recommendations that we want for every adult in the UK to be able to access. So that could be better medical care, or that could be more support to get into work and stay in work, or more support to, to go to university or college. These are some of the big projects that I've undertaken in my time at Scope. Okay. Scope used to be called the Spastic Society. I think the name changed around the time that Blue Peter had people with cerebral palsy on the show. Kids were using the term spastic mm. to bully each other. Can you tell us about that and why the term we use is so important? Well, word, words are important. Words can hurt, words can do damage. And I grew up in the 80s and I was the only person, several person at my school and I got called that name a lot. And Scope rebranded in 1994 from the Spastic Society to Scope as a direct reaction, a response to the, the term being used as an insult, as a hurtful comment and phrase. Uh, mm. Right, it did begin with a, the, a guy called uh, Joey, who was on Blue Peter in the early 80s. Um, People of a certain age will remember being called a Joey, um, as well as the S word. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was never called that, but I do know people that suffered quite badly because of that. Uh, but Scope's, Scope's main reason for rebranding and changing their name was a direct response to uh, the term being weaponised and hurtful to people. And I think it's one of the first incidences in where, where a major organisation has reacted and responded to something going on in wider society. And I, for one, am really, really glad that they changed the name because when I was a kid, I didn't want anything to do with Scope because of the old name. Okay, well, I, I was the first person in my primary school which was mainstream, who had cerebral palsy and epilepsy. Yeah. But it, it, it was the inclusion and representation that actually broke barriers and, I guess, changed my life. Yeah. But anyway, and anyway, back to the questions. Okay. What do you think about the recent controversy 
where Beyonce used the word spaz, which Lizzo used the same word, and Cardi B uses used the word retard in her songs. Maybe we should not use that offensive term in the show. I'm not sure. Well, I guess we're allowed to use it because we have cerebral palsy. Yeah, we are. We are allowed to use it. And you can always put a little warning on the start of the podcast. Leading into the answer about Lizzo and Beyonce, younger people might see it as an acceptable term because they consume a lot more American multimedia. Mm-hmm. And we are two countries separated by a common language. You know? Yes. Um, in America, the word, the S word, doesn't have the same weight or hurtfulness as it does in Britain, but it's a point to educate people because they know that the R word is hurtful. Mm. There is no other definition of that word, but they tend to use it as a description of somebody losing control, which, if you think about it, is derogatory to somebody with cerebral palsy because it denotes that we don't have control of our body. Mm. So I'm glad that they removed it, but I understand that they might not see it as seriously as we do in the UK. And Mm -hmm. we should always try and be gracious and caring when we're trying to educate somebody, even if we don't get the same back. I think words are very powerful. Yeah. And we should think very carefully and choose the words we use especially if we're a global superstar. Yeah, yeah. You know, Lizzo, to her credit, realised what she did and changed it instantly. Yeah. There was no arguing, there was no cries of racism, you know, stay out of American pop culture, as we got with Beyonce. Uh, But Lizzo changed it straight away for that one. Very Yeah. Cardi B had used the R word as well. But but at least with these insulting words, we can say, uh, inverted commas, they're our words, like like the, like the black community say the N word is their word. Ah, I, I suppose you could. I don't want to own those words. No. Per- okay. Personally, I mean, they don't bother me. It's like water off a duck's back now. I'm 45, yeah. I've heard everything. But I don't want to I don't want to own those words. I don't want it to have to be, you know, we're taking it back and we'll use it to each other to take the sting out of it, which is what I believe that, you know, the black community have done with the N-word. If that works for them, great. You crack on. But, I mean, the S-word is a medical piece of terminology it's Latin Latin for cramp that's what it means it's Latin for tight muscles cramp you know so I don't want to I don't want to you know own a medical terminology you know so I don't know but in terms of Cardi B she has absolutely no defence there is no uh, lost in translation definition of the R word that's an insult and a derogatory term on both sides of the Atlantic. Mm, I agree. What do you think? What do you think about the word handicapped? Hate it. Hate it. Oh, hate okay. it. Yeah, because okay. I I go cap in hand to nobody, and the word handicapped was developed for uh, around the time I believe of the Crimean War, where injured servicemen used to beg with their cap in their hand. It was around some big conflict anyway. The Americans love the word. Uh, I've been to America several times and they love the word. But I don't like it because, again, it has connotations of less than, of begging, of trying to justify your existence, of accepting handouts, uh, all of which is not true. Um, You know, disabled people, whether they work or not, have great abilities and skills and add to the richness of our society and should be treated with respect. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, 
Cheers for being on our podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us and helping us give people a better understanding of cerebral palsy. Absolute pleasure, Dan. Thank you. I'm a budding script writer and a huge fan of movies and TV. So I invited Dexter on to chat about cerebral palsy and other disabilities in the entertainment industry. Hi, Dexter. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Can you remind us about your cerebral palsy experience? Of course I can, yes. So I I was um, born with cerebral palsy, so I've had it all my life. And I've been a, a wheelchair user from about 11, 12, something around there, maybe a bit younger. Can't quite remember. But I use a, an electric wheelchair to get it from A to B, so to get around. So class it as my legs. My wheelchair is my legs, so it helps me to get from A to B. Um, but I don't see it as a, as a negative. I see it as a positive. My disability is a part of me. It better to define who I am. It's just something I have that, it's, it's part of me, and I, I, I celebrate it, and and I try and use uh, my life experiences to help others to advocate and share their share their voices either uh, through my through my job, with sorry, choices all in my personal life. So I, you know, I see it as a real as a real um, a real good thing, really, rather than a negative. What do you think about um, disabilities on television and film? portrayed by the abled actors and actresses? Well, I, I, I don't think it's done enough. Um, I think there needs to be more representation on, particularly in TV programmes, because, um, you know, some a lot of uh, disabilities are visual, but a lot of disabilities are also hidden. So, you know, there needs to be better representation of that. And, it's, you know, like celebrating it and embracing it, because... Um, People who have disabilities are part of the of their community, and they, you know, they they give a lot to their community. And in the modern day, we shouldn't we shouldn't be frightened or scared or or, or anxious about talking about disability and how it affects people. We should be having these open discussions because they're really really important. I think disabled actors and actresses should portray disabled characters instead of able. To- actors and actresses portraying disabled characters I, I i don't i don't think it matters as long as it's done in the sensitive way you know that's my opinion on it because you know i don't know how many people uh, how many actors with disabilities there are in the industry so there might be a shortage but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't um stop it from being portrayed on screen or on, on radio or wherever it's about um having positive and open discussions, not being afraid to talk about it, and celebrating it. And saying, well, this is really good. How can, how can we get this more in the mainstream? But can we talk about, you know, school level, work level, college level, wherever? You know, okay. it'll help, help break down barriers and stereotypes. Well, there are good and bad portrayals of disabilities in the film and television industry. Yeah. A good example is Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman portraying a, um autistic character. He did a lot of research before he portrayed the character, and it's done really well compared to films like Sia's music um, film, where she didn't do any research and she portrayed it in a bad light. No, I've never heard of that one, no. I've heard of Brain Man. I must admit, I've never, I haven't seen the movie, but um, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of these films and that are you know, taken out of context. You've got to realise they were they were recorded at a time, and they're recorded with the with the social attitudes of the time as well. So I think, sure. whereas now, from like the year two thousand onwards, I would say social attitudes are changing. So. When you look at when you look at a film and it's over thirty years old, it is going to it might look to some people very old fashioned and very stereotypical, but yeah. it's with the it's around the settings of the time and the the feelings of the time. So you know, but I, I think it's really good that um, someone like Dustin Hoffman. I think that's very brave to do that. Yeah, he's, very, yeah. he's a very well known actor. 
Yeah. That's not, so it's very, very brave of him to do that. So yeah. I can only applaud him for that. Yeah. And I think research is also the key. I think, when, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to talk about something or portray something, you need to re- research it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Neighbours did um, epilepsy storylines as well, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Who suffers from epilepsy and palsy? Um, I think it was done really well. Oh, brilliant! I mean, the other, the other, the other film I think that was done really well in, which was another one of my favourite films, is uh, Forrest Gump. Oh yeah, that was done really well. Yeah, by Tom Hanks, and you know Tom Hanks is a very good actor. But like as you say, portraying someone who has a disability in a, in a, in an acting way is very difficult. But he done it really, really well. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just so inspirational. And yeah. it, it, it just show it just shows you that he carried on. He didn't really care what people thought. Just because you're you know. Um, and they term it, and they term it a little bit different to everyone else. Doesn't mean you're you know. You're you're any less than anyone else, you know. We no no one's better than anyone else in my view. It doesn't matter what job you have, no matter. It doesn't matter what privilege you've got. We're, we're all equal in this world, you know. We some of us have more oh, difficulties and struggles than others, but it doesn't make it doesn't make us any less of a person. That's true. So, you know. How about my left foot? Have you seen it? I've seen that. Yeah, I love that film. Is that about cerebral palsy? Yeah. It's uh, Daniel Day Lewis, and he he's from an Irish family, if I remember correctly. And when he's born, at first he's not very well accepted in the community. Um, I've only seen the film a couple of times, so I might be getting this wrong. So, uh, but then he does something like he writes his name or something with his foot. And I think that what that means, my left foot, is he can do do stuff. He can't really talk, but he ends up being able to. I think. Um, be part of the community and, and love that. the community embrace him. He ends up getting married and it's a really inspirational film, actually. But, yeah. I mean, another one, um, I don't know if you've seen it, Dan, it's called uh, Inside I'm Dancing. I've heard of that one. Yeah, I've, I've, it's one of my favourite films. It's set in Ireland again and it's these two characters and they, they live in a, um, not like a hospital, but like a supported living place with carers. You know, but it's more like in a in a hospital setting, and one of them has um, speech and language difficulties, and he's quite happy to, and content to to live every day in a routine. But he meets someone else, and they're uh, they're more, they're more outgoing. They want they want to be part of the community. They want to go out and enjoy life, and they 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 come together, and the guy who, who's a bit more outgoing ends up having a real influence on the other guy. It's a really, really inspirational film, and that, that uh, intensifies my life because I was like the character who didn't want to. It was quite, quite happy with routine to start with because I moved out of home when I was twenty six, um, and back then I, I, I was really scared, but I knew I had to change my life. I didn't want to. I didn't want to live my life with regret. So an opportunity came up, I took it, um, but I didn't really go out uh, much first to begin with. I was, I was scared a lot of the of the outside and what the, you know the outside world. I thought if I stayed inside and I could keep myself away from danger and fear, then nothing's going to happen to me. But then you're 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 just as much at risk on your own, and as as when you are with people. Mm-hmm. And, and I've I've really embraced um, having my own life now and doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, you know. Like I go down, I go down the gym. I go, I go to the cinema. I go, to, you know, see my friends, see my family. Um, go, you know, go and watch sport. You know, things like that. Mm. These are all things that are really important to me. What is also important to me is, like I said earlier, embracing my disability and what it can offer me. It's not. Yeah. I don't see it as a disadvantage. I see it as an advantage because it's helped my eyes to not only understand how people like myself feel about with disabilities, but also how the local community and the modern world feels about people with disabilities. You say people with disabilities, not disabled people. It's that a deliberate choice. I say people with disabilities because I don't like the term disabled people. I think that's very old-fashioned. It's very, it's very labelling. If you've got a person with disabilities, you put the person first. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, it, and it's identifying and celebrating that even though this person has something, like a disability or whatever they have, they're a person first. Mm-hmm. They, have feel, they have feelings, they have emotions, they have whatever they have. Yeah. I, 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 use, I use a couple. Okay. I use disabled and I use, well, I know it's outdated, but I use but, handicapped as well. Okay, yeah. I, re- I really don't like that term. Okay. Um, but, that, but, that, but then that's my personal preference. If it works for you, yeah. then fair play to you. That's fine. That's, that's your choice. Okay. This, is, this, is where, this is where personal choice and personal preference comes in. We're not always mm-hmm. going to agree, but, you know, we can find ways to to talk about things that work for us. That's brilliant, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that there should be more inclusion of disabilities behind the scenes of the film and television industry? Yes, I do. I do, because what's to stop a person with disabilities and the ability they have, you know, from directing a film or, or you know, or producing a film? Yeah. Or why? Because a person has a disability. Why limit it? Why not expand it? Don't just limit it to, to this thing, to this and this. Well, yeah, I agree, because there's a couple of um, celebrities who have disabilities, learning disabilities, who have done really well for themselves. For example, George Lucas and um, Steven Spielberg both have dyslexia, yet they've made tons of great films. And another celebrity is Richard Branton, who made Virgin. Yeah. They've all got dyslexia. But no, no, they they done really well. Yeah. What do you think about the last leg? Last leg, I've seen it at Carlos. I think it's really good. I think it's really good. I think it's one of those one of those times where disability is celebrated and where the presenters actually laugh at themselves. I think if you can laugh at yourself and make fun of yourself, then you sort of like for me, you sort of like. You've come to the point where you can you le- you've learned to live with your disability. It doesn't matter what people say about you or, or to you or about you know. You just brush it off because because one day there's one day let's let's think about it. One day we're, we're all going to have a form of disability or another, whether that's you know physical disability or you know even like I'll give you an example. I've had to start wearing glasses. That's a form of disability because my eyes are not what they were. So I need I need glasses like I need an aid now to help me help me see. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh. It's just one of them things, you know. So in one form or another, we all end up with some sort of disability anyway. Eventually, whether it be you know using using physical glasses to see and read or whatever, or hearing aids or whatever, walking stick. Um, but I'm very lucky because I can talk. I can express how I feel. Some people can't do that. And you know they 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 try, but they just can't. They can't. They can't express themselves very well. It's been very isolating and very frustrating. You know that's why I like doing the job that I do, so I can help others. Um, you know, um, share their views. You know, and I, they can. And uh, I can. By helping them do that, that makes that makes me not only better at my job, but better as a person. I think. Thank you for joining me on this wonderful podcast, uh, Dave Star. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, no two experiences are the same, so I invited Matthew to come on and talk about living with cerebral palsy, being bullied at school, how parents deal with it, and how tech and being creative has helped. Hi Matt, I'm Hello, Dan. So, so what, what's your experience with cerebral palsy? Well, I guess I mean the thing is, obviously, as as you know, I mean it's it's something that you're born with. So, therefore, you, you don't as a, as an individual, as a person, depending on what level of uh, cerebral palsy you have, you sort of have to adapt with it from the word go. I, I found um, quite often, quite early in life, that I found it hard to hard to accept it myself, the cerebral palsy, and a lot of the time that's due to bullying and 
things like that that happen around you. So when I was at school, I was called Daniel the Spaniel from Donutland. Yeah. It, 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 it is kind of funny because I made a joke about it on my in my in my stand-up routine. But okay. the knife still cuts through the memories of that if you understand what I mean. Of course I do, yeah, very well. I don't know what was going through their heads. They were absolute nutcases. Well, the trouble is, as you know, when you get older, kids don't know what they're doing. What they're doing, they're responding to whatever problems they have, whether it be at home or whatever. And they're releasing it by having fun about having fun over someone Mm. that is less fortunate than themselves. Yeah, definitely. With me, it it was my walking. Generally speaking, for the 16 years of my school life, a fair amount of time I had people walking behind me, taking the piss, if you like, mimicking my walk, yeah, you know, and sort of acting acting like spastics. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also the problem of having um, extra support because back in the 90s, I, I would have like a double desk so I would have someone beside me. Yeah, I had that as my well. work. And yeah. one, of the, one of the helpers was so terrible to me. I'm so, sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. I try and, blo- I try and block out my, mem- my memories of primary school because I also went to the same primary school as my able siblings. Okay. But they've all had happy memories and all that jazz. But my sister and I were taught by the same teacher, but in different years. So I guess it was easier for my siblings because of that being able rather than being disabled. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. It's, there's no sort of way around it at the end of the day. Having, having the disability, having the, it, that, it just makes life harder. It's just how you deal with it, how you approach life with it. And obviously, mm-hmm. as, as you get older, in some ways, it's kind of easier because you become stronger, you know, through the struggle, if you like. Yeah. But as a, as a child, when you don't know what you're dealing with, then it is really hard. Well, mainstream education with any disability can be awful. but you have to deal with it in your own way and you have to break those barriers. I think what what didn't help me and I think what would help so many children, it's a kind of an acceptance, see? Mm. I, I feel a lot of the time, partly I believe that maybe I had trouble accepting it because they had trouble accepting it. Yeah. You know. But... I guess looking back, it would have been easier to be in special education because of the bullying children and everything. I've also thought at times, going on the same lines, because you've had some of the same experiences that Mm. I've had, and looking at the same way, sometimes I've also thought that the actual learning process would have been maybe easier a special school rather than mainstream school just Mm. because obviously you've got the elements of the bullying there but also when you suffer with cerebral palsy to whatever degree it is you know and and you have them sort of learning difficulties Mm. it's that kind of support and help that you need yeah yeah I agree but how I took it off my chest was setting up YouTube channel doing gigs using using me experience in um in stand-up routines and pulling it into like stories pulling me experience into stories and teleplays and home movies so that helped in a way but yeah no, that, that sounds really good a lot of the time it's about trying to chant sort of channel you know channel whatever bad things you have in your life into positive into something positive so you so you can help others or encourage others to do likewise if if you don't mind me asking what type of cerebral palsy do you it is diaplegia what i look so i've looked at recently and i can't remember all the others there's two 
of the sort of milder forms of cerebral palsy and diplegia is one of them. That affects basically mainly your limbs, your, your legs mainly, but I, I've also got a bit in my my hands as well. But it's it's mainly always been the walking with me. And then obviously it goes on then to the more extreme levels where I think the worst case of it is when people can't talk, you know, when it affects their talking and they're in a wheelchair, you know. But they use technology to speak. Yeah. Has technology made it easier for you? Yeah, I mean, the internet is a useful tool for anyone and it, it does help. It helps. It helps in regards to looking for things to do. I can go on the internet, I can see what's happening in the local area and I can see what I can get to, you know, I can see the possibilities. It's harder with a disability and it's harder looking for jobs and stuff. It's harder to actually get to places to be part of things. I mean, you know, if you can drive, you're just there, aren't you, a lot of the time? People yeah. can drive, you know, it's kind of... But when you when you don't drive, you just have to look for as many things that you can actually do, that you can join in. Yeah. I was working for 20 years, so that sort of kept me busy enough. And then when that come to an end, and it come to an end because my condition was, you know, deteriorating. And I say it gets worse. What I mean, it's not it's not the cerebral palsy that gets worse. It's just the body that gets, it's getting, you know, you get older. And what happens, because it's as simple as this, if you don't use it, you lose it. And cerebral palsy prevents you from using your muscles properly. That's why we've got tight muscles. You know, because if you're not moving your limbs properly, you, your legs aren't getting the same kind of workout, are they? And that leads to tight muscles. And with tight muscles, whatever you do practically can take it out in the joints. The cerebral palsy itself doesn't get worse. It's just how it affects your ageing. Yeah, I agree with that. And especially with the equipment I use for my cerebral palsy to help me walk and with my muscles and my arms and hand. It, um, yeah, I agree. What what sort of you know what are you using to walk with with your arms? Um, Have you got crutches or? For my leg, I use an artificial foot orthotic, and for my arm, I use uh, something called a second skin, which helps with the muscles of the arm and the fingers. Okay, I mean at the moment I'm just I'm literally just using crutches myself. Soon, I've I've got an appointment in uh, February. I'm going to have a uh, Botox injections into my muscles. It will help loosen the muscle, basically. Oh. That, that that will hopefully free up my legs a little bit. As far you know, where it comes with now, where I have to do a lot of stretches and whatever to kind of you know get the movement as much as I can out of them. But I'm hoping that that will free up my legs a little bit and I have got a wheelchair I try I, I I use it obviously to get out and to give me as much freedom as possible you know that sort of independence but I also you know I'm, I'm well aware that it's not healthy to be sitting down for too long periods so I try and balance that out you know but I, I definitely it's I wouldn't be without it at the moment because it's it's where I get a break from the struggle of using the crutches all the time. Sleeping's quite difficult. I mean, um, when I was saying about the um, the joints and that, a lot of the areas that things like your knees, your hips, your lower back, yeah, you know, these, yeah. these are all areas that can suffer a little bit because of your tightness of your muscles. Yeah. And obviously with sleeping, I find it's sort of a bit of the pain sometimes in my hip that can keep me awake. Yeah, because with the cerebral palsy, I've also got scoliosis. Well, mild version of scoliosis. So when I sit when I sit down for a while, it hurts my back or 
sleeping on one side can be really painful. Do you think that the UK would get better for disabled people in the future? I hope so. I I I I'd like to look that in in my lifetime it's always improving and that's always how I feel that things should should move, you know, it should always be things should always be trying to be improved. Yeah. It's one thing having to cope but equally at the same time all the all these things all the trials and all the problems that we face become part of you. Mm. You, we can carry on with our lives the best we can, but and it's the same with anybody. You can't just discard it completely. Yeah. Where where do you where have you done have you done many gigs? I've only done one gig in London. Oh, I'll tell you that. Well, it takes something, doesn't it, to do that? Yeah. Honest. I'm planning to do one where I live. Um, I live in supported living. We have a massive garden, but it's never used for anything. So I've asked the staff here to, to see if I can use it for next year. Well, you know, if you sort of uh, got a gig up and, you know, if, you, if there's any way you can let me know, I'll come along and watch you. Yeah, um, I have a YouTube channel called Trump Entertainment, which has my okay. deputy. Yeah, I, I will. I'll have a look because I quite like my comedy as well and... Uh, I mean, I, I often laugh at, you know, sort of think to myself, well, you know, if I was ever a comedian, by the time I get to the stage, everyone's gone. Or <laughs> 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 you know? uh, well, you're so knackered by the time you get there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you for listening to me today. And That's all right. all right, Dan. Thank you as well. And I, ho- I hope you come back to the podcast again. Yeah, I will do. Okay, take care, Dan. You too. Finally, Joyce's Waves, Martin, talks to me about how he found work, got into DJing, and gives me some advice. Hi, Dan, how are you? Yeah, good. That's good. I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah. So, Dan, what questions have you got Have you got for me today? Can you tell us who you are and what you do at Surrey Choices? Right, I'm Martin Bell. I'm currently working at Surrey Choices as an activity facilitator for Choices Ways. Choices Ways. I'm a co-producer and I help with people with disability to support their podcast station. I've been doing this for... Seven years now. The digital voice of Sorry Choices. My name is Emma. Welcome to the R.O.B. show. How did you get this job? When we when we started doing this radio station in 2015, the ex-member of staff asked me do I want to be a member of staff because I was a customer at the time. So I became a, a customer for, for a couple of months, then a volunteer, and then there's a job opportunity going with the radio station. So so that's how I came across with this current job, which I'm in now. Okay. Can you tell us about your experience with cerebral palsy? My, my, my experience? Okay. When I was really, really little, the doctor said to my parents, or my, my, my mum, the doctor diagnosed, diagnosed me as cerebral palsy. So my mum at the time didn't know what was cerebral palsy is and she got really upset and, and, and overwhelmed and stuff like that. And the doctor said to my mum, I want to be able to walk or talk. And okay. and look where I am today. I'm walking, yeah. talking. You can't stop me. <laughs> so, Martin, I have quadriplegic cerebral palsy and a visual impairment. And I have to wear a leg splint called an artificial fistle photic. Oh wow, I didn't know that at all. And I had and I have to wear a special equipment for my hand as well. Oh really? What is it? It's called a second skin. It's imported from Australia. Oh wow, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Oh wow. I have got 
I've got the same condition as you yeah, with, with quadriplegic cerebral palsy. And I have a learning disability as well, so it's kind of unusual. Yeah, yeah. So for me, whenever I walk or try to run or, or whatever, yeah, I tend to I tend to fall over and, and and sometimes I pretend to hug sorry and sometimes I pretend to hug the floor, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's kind of weird. The Martin, what kind of things do do they do at work to accommodate your disability? Um if somebody asks me to work, yeah, I like to know I, I, I like to know in a in a bit of advance, a couple of days in advance, or even like a week in advance, so I can plan my week ahead. I have sort of have a have a routine and well while I try to make drinks, yeah, I can't carry drinks through because of my disability, I tend to fall over. So I can make a drink and then I ask a member of staff if they can take it in. Or I have a flask and I, and I take the flask with me into work, which is so much, which is so much easier for me. Oh, so it's the same with me. Yeah, I, I, we stand there before and over a lot. If I, if, if a member of staff seems full over yet and they ask if, if I'm okay, I say I'm okay as I'm used to, as I'm used to falling over now. I sometimes get cuts and bruises on, on my, on, on my arms as well. Do you get that, Dan, as well? Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. So, what other kind of work do you do? Recently, Dan, I, I started my own DJing business. Oh, wow. So I do parties and and other things. And I do discos for our homes as well. Because there is there, there is not a lot of, of, of DJs out there who has a disability, like, 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 like mobility or... Or physical, or, or, or physical disability, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so for me, getting into DJing business is, is a big achievement, and I taught myself how to do DJing. I present my radio show on a Friday, which is quite cool. Yeah. And I've been doing it. I've been doing it since beginning of the year. And I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. How did you get the job in the radio station? Right. First of all, years ago, my ex my ex girlfriend at the time sought an opportunity for a radio station, which one with with, with disability, and that's how I met a friend of mine who are who, who I'm friends with now. And he said to me, "Look, come down, and we can do a radio show together." I said, "Okay, I'll come down," but first I was nervous. Because I don't like talking to, to, to new strangers. I'm, that's strange. But I eased my way through. So yeah, I've been doing radio. So I've been doing radio for the last seven years, I think now. But I've been doing DJ for the last ten years. So it's so it's kind of nice. I've got a both range. So yeah. How do you think workplaces or other places could change to make it better for people with cerebral palsy and other disabilities? Um, better accessibility for people who who find it hard going into selected buildings. Um, other disabilities, I think member, I think I think all member staff should should understand other other disabilities or not, like a visual and non visual disability. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so like. So like physical and and um, invisible, like epilepsy. Yes, and and mental health. Yeah, yeah. Mental health is a big one in the moment. Yeah, that's true. So all member staff should know should, should know everyone's other disabilities, and there is no need to be afraid. Yeah. Just speak to them, and then and ask them what. What what requirements do you need if, if you're going to work with us? So yeah, what what advice would you give to people like me and others who have cerebral palsy and would like to find work? Just be your normal self and yeah. and start from the bottom, and then you can work your way uh, work your way to the top. Of where yeah, you I agree with be, that. Of where you want to be and and stuff like that. So yeah. Okay. Okay. 
I think employability is good as well. For anyone who doesn't know what employability is, employability is a department of sorry choices which helps people with disabilities and sensory needs find work. Yes, yeah, start with so start with volunteering job first, and then if a member of staff say to you, "I like the work you're doing," then they'll ask you to to apply for the, for the job role. It doesn't matter if if a few hours a week. Or if you had a if you had a day or whatsoever, if you're doing the work, just do the work and then and, and then go home. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So that's the best advice I, I can give you. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I, I would like to go into screenwriting, but um, I have other things as well. So I do voice work for pantomimes because I have a art teacher who does pantomimes and he has people like me um involved oh really yeah yeah so which show is that dan if you don't know if you don't know we're in the middle of planning our latest one but previously we did one called medieval enders and that was at the cryo theater was it carl shorten yeah i saw the road for me oh cool So, so if you're there again let me know Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for joining us. It's it's really, it's really good. Yeah. Dan, it's been a pleasure for being a guest on your show. Thank you, Martin. It's time for Choices Voices. Recently, we found out that Thomas the Tank Engine has a new friend, Bruno the Brake Car, with autistic. Well, what do you think about that? We asked some of our autistic friends at Surrey Choices. Uh, it's good in theory to get people in, but, uh, that know about autism. It's good, yeah. It, that, that is sensible, yeah. It, it, it is, because, because, because autism is a difference from, a bit of a difference from, from the, the regular it will let people understand more about autism because some people do not understand about people with autism and it might also help kids to learn a bit more to not be so cruel or mean to people with autism because at the end of the day people with autism are still human beings and they still have a right in this world. Yeah, it is good for kids to see it. He acts different to other people, but that makes him happy. So people need to just understand that that's how Bruno acts and he, he's not going to harm you. He's just doing it because that's how his brain's telling him to do it. Nervous, possibly. Nervous, frightened, could be scared. He flaps his ladders and he twists his, and he twists his lantern around and... Some sometimes you can't understand what he's saying, but people just need to be considerate and kind and thoughtful. It affects people differently. Like, uh, I, I know, or uh, my my parents are saying that like, uh, he has the ability to tell us train times, etc., and bus times. Yeah, and plot and horta and uh, plant names. I like to keep stick to the schedules. I also like to. Um, explore, etc. Find things differently, like eye contact. You probably noticed, yeah. Yeah, I think it will help the younger generation to understand a bit more that people act differently, but they still have a right in this world. And if you have a question for the people at Surrey Choices, email us at choiceswaves at surreychoices dot com. We all have challenges in life and that's why we like to give a shout out to those who go out of their way to support us. It's time for Above and Beyond. I'm Sinead and the people who go above and beyond for me are my parents because they always by my side no matter what I've done I will always love them for who they are I don't know what I'll do if they went around 
Thank you to Chinated Parents. It really makes a difference. Hey everyone, I'm with Kerry today and we're going to talk about the podcast. Kerry Brown is someone who works at Choices Waves with me and is brilliant at her job. Oh, that's lovely, Dan. Nice to nice to speak to you. It's exciting to be here. So, Kerry, how's it working at Choices Waves? Oh, I love working at Choices Waves. Every day is different. I get to work on amazing podcasts and make loads of different shows. It's a great job. Yeah. But I think I should be asking you the questions, Dan. So this is the first podcast you've worked on. So you wanted to talk about cerebral palsy. And what was it that made you pick that as your topic to discuss? It's my disability and how I see it in life with the disability. Okay, so you sort of wanted to share your story of what it what it is like. Yeah, to share my story. Okay, and how has it been sharing your story? How have you found that process? Interesting. Learning about different types of cerebral palsy whilst thinking about the one type I have. To be honest, I didn't know there were multiple types of cerebral palsy. That's really interesting. Has there been a highlight of this podcast making process for you? Is there a bit you enjoy best? Um, talking to different people who have cerebral palsy. And who, who have you spoken to on this podcast? Oh, to Martin, Dexter and Matthew and Richard. And how was those conversations for you? Interesting, because talking to Richard was eye-opening because I was talking to somebody who was part of the charity that I raised awareness for back in the 90s. Oh, wow. What charity is that? Soap. Wow, that's amazing. And what would you say has been the most challenging for you, Dan, on this process? Um, Learning how to make a podcast. And what goes into making a podcast? So do you just sit with a microphone and press record or is it a lot more than that? There's writing the script, there's editing, there's producing, there's interviewing people. And if someone wanted to get involved, Dan, and they wanted to have a go, what advice would you give them? What would you tell them? Just jump in and ask the right people. Perfect. And you chose a topic that was really close to you and something you were passionate about. Is that something that you would advise someone to do, to pick a topic that's close to them? Yeah, I would I, I would advise someone to choose a topic where they're close to or, or what they're interested in and work from there. So, Dan, you've done this podcast now. What's next for you? What are you up to? Oh, boy. Um, hopefully doing a podcast about my comedy routine. Lovely. And what's this comedy routine you're into? I know you love your stand-up, so do you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been up to or what you've got planned for the future? I recently set up a website for my comedy routine. It's called trumpentertainment.card.co. But on the website, there's all my social media accounts, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, email, blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. Well, I guess we have to look forward to seeing Dan Trump in lights soon. Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, probably. I think so. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, follow and subscribe to Trump Entertainment on YouTube. Always the hustler, Dan. Well done for putting that out there. I'm sure loads of people want to have a listen. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's been really exciting having you on board this month for the podcast. And we look forward to having you involved in the future. And yeah, following you on your comedy journey. Okay, dokie. Thanks for having me, Dan. Instead of checking in with Choices Waves Radio this month, we give you a selection of outtakes for making this episode. The digital voice of Sorry Choices. I wanted to do an episode of Cerebral Palsy because it, um, um, God, even I can't remember what I've said. Yoga and a coffee. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Lovely. I look forward to that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? So who's asking the questions and who's answering? Can you hear me now? Well, we've done our research, so it's not like it's not like we're dropping the F bomb. 
Yeah, I'm excited. That's so cool. What am I reading? The black or red? I'm sorry if I'm I'm blabbering a lot, by the way. Okay, I had yogurt and a coffee. (laughs) Say that that again. Are we recording now? Okay, this is very helpful. Recording stopped. Adam can edit it. Ha! Oh, bless you. No radio presenters were harmed in making up this podcast. Do I do hey hey? Hey hey everyone, I'm Dan Trump and I'm your host for this month's Sorry Voices. Thanks for listening to Sorry Voices. If you'd like to get involved, email us at choiceswaves at sorrychoices.com. Special thanks this month to our guests, Matthew, Dexter, Martin and Richard from Scope. If you liked our show, please rate, share and subscribe. I've been your host, Dan Trump. Check out the show notes for a link to my website. And until next time, take care.